Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. I've had a number of emails from listeners recently asking us to chat about going through stillbirth um, and the impact of it and the services that are there and are available for people. And, and while I can understand completely, some listeners don't want to necessarily come on air and, and share their stories with us. But they do want a conversation about it and, and that's what we're going to talk about next um, because my next guest, Nina, fell pregnant with twins Grace and Liam in 2018. And well, actually, Nina, you're you're with us here on the programme. Um, tell us a little bit about your story. Hi, Andrea. How are you? Good. Thanks for having us on today. Um, I suppose my own story started in, in 2013. We were told we had unexplained infertility and we began on the IVF journey, um, which anybody listening who's been on that journey knows how difficult a, um, a journey it is. Um, and I suppose it, it turned out to be quite a difficult journey for us. Um, we had three recurrent miscarriages um, before we became pregnant on Lehman Grace and came pregnant in 2017. And it was the first time we got to that three-month scan and we got to tell people that we were pregnant. Um, and I suppose one of the, the lovely memories I have of that time is, is was of my granny telling me that it was like, it was better than winning the lotto for hearing that we were pregnant. And um, we got to the to the 20-week scan. There was lots of excitement. We got to the 20-week scan and we got to find out that we were having a little boy and a little girl. And it just felt like it didn't get any more perfect than this. We yeah. were so excited. Um, and I suppose then as... Um, just shy of the, of the 23 weeks um, on an ordinary Thursday, an ordinary day in work. Um, and I had an appointment after work and driving home after that appointment, I got kind of a, a sharp pain um, and I suppose things escalated quite quickly um, and my waters broke at home. Um, I didn't know what that meant. Do you know, I knew I had to get to the hospital. Mm. I feared infection um, was probably the one thing that was screaming out at me at the time. And we went into the hospital and they, I mean, I just remember we were immediately brought up in, in a, on a lift. We kind of went up the back way of the hospital and I was thinking, God, I've been here before at my miscarriages and this isn't the way to A&E. And suddenly we found ourselves in the delivery seat, um, you know, and you were starting to kind of, oh, what's going on? And um, I remember going in and they did a scan and they reassured us that uh, they tried to show us that the heartbeats, they were quite strong heartbeats. Um, and I was in such a panic that I couldn't actually focus and see. Um, but I felt very reassured by their heartbeats and um, I actually was embarrassed. I thought I'd caused a fuss, you know. Um, but no, unfortunately, then active labour started and um, Liam and Grace were born. Um, I suppose Liam died just before he was born. Um, so Liam was um, a stillbirth. Um, but I just remember... When he was born and they lifted him up, I just immediately fell in love. I just couldn't believe he was here. I couldn't believe how gorgeous he was. Um, he was just so perfect. And he lay up on my chest. And I remember feeling that urge to push again. And I really didn't want to because they were safe when they were inside me. And when they were born, I had been, they, the consultants had explained that they may, once they were born, they wouldn't live Um and I felt that urge to push again. And Grace arrived seven minutes after her big brother. Um, and just after the silence of Liam, 
and um, that silence was just deafening when Liam was born. But next of all, there was this beautiful little whimper and she was here and she was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and she lay up on my chest beside her brother. Um, and I suppose we had, you know, I just remember looking at my husband and the rush of oh, the absolute rush of love. And um, Grace lived for 31 minutes um, and it was a lovely special time for us we became parents for the first time and um we were then in you know we were given a memory box a Felicon memory box and we were able to make memories with Lehman Grace and um I can just remember you know when the bereavement midwife came in and told us asked us did we want to bring them home we were able to bring them home because Felicon would provide a cuddle cough um and which would allow us to bring them home mm-hmm. and introduced them to their family and which meant that they're cemented in the Farrell Doyle family now and um, it was it was a really lovely special time that we had. I'm very sorry Nina like it's uh, you, you know you had, a, you had a very very like an extremely tough time of it um, you know and I'm, I've no doubt it's it's difficult for you to even you know to come on and, and to share that story with us today so Liam was was stillborn um, and yes. Grace suffered. Did you? Sorry, was it a neonatal death? Is that? Is that? Yes, it's a neonatal death. Okay. So Grace came breeding into the world um, and lived for ter- what was thirty-one minutes. She just lay on my chest for thirty-one minutes, and then she sadly passed away. So any baby that lives up to twenty-eight days would be classed as a, as a neonatal death. Yeah, it's an awful lot for you to deal with. It is, but you know what? Um, I became a parent, Lehman Grace's par- proud parents, um, on the 23rd of March, 2018. Um, and I, we hear this all the time in Felicon. I, I now have the privilege of, of working with Felicon. Mm. Um, there's so much I'd love to change. I'd obviously, the most obvious thing is that Lehman Grace would be here and, uh, and alive. And But the one thing I wouldn't change if, if I got the opportunity to do it all again, knowing the outcome, I wouldn't change being their parent. Um, I'm a very proud parent. And, and and I actually, I love talking about them and I love sharing them. When did, I suppose, how did you find out at that point about Felicon or, or where, where did, you know, at what stage did that come into us? So as soon as we knew that Lima Grace were going to be born and that they that they wouldn't survive, um, the midwife brought in the Felicon memory box. And oh, that that's was just, okay. That's the first introduction. Yeah. And then when the bereavement midwife came in and said, would you like to bring them home? I mean, it was just wow. Because my fear, I was afraid of what was going to happen. I was thinking, are they going to be taken off me? And I didn't want to ask because I felt like if I asked, they might take them quicker. So I was I was with them. I was had them with me, and I was thinking, "What happens next?" And then, when I was told there was an opportunity to bring them home, it was just wow. And I remember the Felicon volunteer. I think they're actually going to speak to Mary. And um, she came and she brought the cuddlecot to her house, and she came in and she she took the prince of Lehman Grace. And I remember just being inspired by this lady and yeah. this lady who had founded Felicon and who didn't get the opportunity to make these memories that she was she was given gifting us um when Liliana died which you know so um yeah it was just it well, was just an incredible Mary's actually with us as well on on the program um Mary because you you've I suppose you've sadly had an experience of this as well yeah my my experience now would be different to um 
Liam and Grayson coming to the world, but I, it was such an honour to meet such beautiful babies. But my little girl was a surprise pregnancy in the change of life, as they call them. So I was 45 when I had her. And I just never knew, you know, I always knew that I'd never have her. There was something about the pregnancy, even though it's a textbook, that I could never visualise her. You know, I, for the other children, she was number seven. I would have, and they were, some of them were in their 20s at the time. But I would have had everything ready. And I remember bringing down the... Um, cradle from the attic and not even washing it you know it's as if I knew and then when I woke up on the 6th of January and I just felt awful and I had um I just felt so empty and I had um, an appointment with the the gynecologist at the obstetrician over there mm. to take you know they're going to say well, we might take you now you're you know you're she was due the day after and you know at your age and all that I mean I should have taken in two weeks earlier but look, that's a different story and um, she was gone and I mean the loneliest sight you will ever see is that still and um, you know the scan and all my kids and with kids and foster kids and at the time the adopted children they were all getting a turn to come in to see the scan and the girl that came in then my daughter Aoife he was there look here's the head and here's the heart and here's the heart and then would you excuse us please and she was gone and it, I mean as cruel fate would have it um, Aoife 14 years later and 14 days her little boy was born and something went wrong at the last minute and he died three days later so that's why I know Felicon works because well, for Dara, we were able to take it, took them myself his beautiful little imprints. Uh, we got a lock of his hair. We got everything that we didn't get for Liliana. So he's a huge part of our family. And he kind of brought his auntie Liliana back then because people then realized, you know, when they, we met Dara and he was real and he was so beautiful. And I mean, it was a closed coffin came home with Liliana. And I insisted that she was coming home, that she wasn't going to um an undertaker that she wasn't going to um, stay in the hospital. And for parents that yeah. need to do that, that's perfectly fine. Do you know, I've d- talked to, to a friend before, yeah. Mary, that's, that's gone through this and like they just talked about the, you know, the I suppose the, the help with, with grieving, like how much it helped them, you know, in at the time yeah. and in the aftermath um, yeah. to grieve, you know, that the, that the, yeah. that Felicon, I suppose, allowed for that to happen. Yeah. Well, you have to be, like, you have to be supported to do this because, I was, you know, an old one and well able to fight and, you know, the social worker at the time and knew what I could do and that they couldn't stop me doing it. But now I have to say they were very supportive yeah. and um, we had a midwife who was just an angel. I, I think of her all the time. I'm sure she's forgotten about me, but she was able to support me to do this. But if people have don't know anybody who had even a miscarriage, not a mind, a stillbirth or a neonatal death, they don't know what to do. So you have to be supported to do this. And some um, parents decide, oh, I can't. And that's OK. You know, do what you can do at the time. We can make memories afterwards as well, but they're different. So we would support parents in any way we can to do as much as they can. And there's cultural differences. There's all sorts of differences now. Mm. But we will support them to do what's okay for them. And it's without judgment. It's like what Lena did and what I did are totally different. Um, Marifa, you know, bringing her home. Some parents, they they don't want to do it and they can't. And that's okay too. For those parents who want to come and bring the baby home, then we will, um, their son or daughter, we um, we will support them to do that. Do we have enough supports, Nina, for people and for parents when they go through this? Um, uh, well, I mean, I suppose I, I'm a little bit biased now being in Felicon. Yeah. I think that the support is there. And I suppose yeah. sometimes it's hard to reach out. And as Mary said, it could be many months, years later um, that you want to reach out and you want to avail of support. 
of course we're always learning we're always um parents are always telling us you know we're developing our memory box at the moment we're learning all the time new ways maybe of making memories with your baby um but but you know support is there and it's just about when it's right for you to avail of that sport that's the thing though mary isn't it like i mean there's there is no you know there's no I suppose one time that everybody might look for support or, or need a little bit of help or assistance like you, you can you can look for it at any stage you can and and we'll be there at any stage you know some of the, the women that would reach out now the mothers that reach out to us would have had their babies 50 60 years ago and they might be facing you know a terminal illness themselves or the, you know at the end of our lives we kind of look back rather than look forward and we get by my friends and myself now we're now in our mid-60s and we said how reflective we are now compared yeah. to what we were and you try to make sense of your life and if there's this huge you know hole of, of, of grief and you know that that you had to bank down because you were told to and you thought it was the right thing to do and um you know as i always say to our, our trainees that if you take someone in somewhere you're able to bring them back out again so that we try to give them time to think about their baby. Sometimes they'll tell you, though, I had no name. They always have a name in their heart or a name they would love to have given their baby. And to, to us, those babies are just as real as our own and they're just as real as the new babies we meet now to um, to take their imprints and our meet, you know, with their memory candles or that we meet at the services, that those babies mm-hmm. matter just as much to us and um, that the support is there far the long ago bereaved as they're called as well. Um, it's very, like the memory box that Nina was talking about there, that's a, it's a gift from Felicon to the parents to and the it's, parents, it's wanted yeah. by our parents. But it's a tool as well. And that's the tool at the time for the professionals because they're meeting the parents, not us. They're not going to meet us for a while, you know, no, no matter, um, unless we come in to take the imprints of the baby or bring them the cuddle cot. And that's the tool for the professional to say, look, this is what other parents do in your own time. And maybe all they can think about at the time is give your little baby his or her teddy and you keep one and swap them over then before burial or cremation and you each have something the other had. Or make sure you take his little footprints, her little footprints in the ink so that you can have a tattoo afterwards if that's what you want or have it engraved on jewellery. But that's what that it's a tool, if you, you know, that this is to take them on a journey to make those precious memories in so little time. And um, I suppose a lot of our our efforts now are trying to go into to support and you know with huge over uh, turnover staff is to support the staff to support yeah. the parents in this horrendous time because nobody understands this unless you go through it. I never thought anything could be so bad and that I'd still be breathing. I just felt I'd let my daughter down that I you know I had to deal with the guilt, the shame, and and I'd never resolved some of that guilt. That why didn't I go in? When I should have known, I was working in hospital at the time, social worker. I should have known, and in the end, I just let it go because I'd never resolved it. Yeah. But it's um, it's just all oh, the parents don't have to feel that, you know, and feel they let their child down. The I remember my daughter being born. I didn't want to touch her, you know that. Um, and it was because the midwife was so gentle and put her into my arms. Then I don't know what that was about. I nearly lost my life after the massive hemorrhage. So I don't know what I was thinking. But if I hadn't had the gentleness, are they? the support of that midwife at that time. I don't know. I mean, you know, would I have carried on with the other founders of Felicon? Would we have been able for how hard it was to get an organisation off the ground and indeed sustain it? And we're volunteers to sustain the organisation. And, um, yeah, I think um, if the the professionals are trained and if they are sensitive to Mm. what the parents are going through, um, it can make an awful difference to the trajectory of grief of the parents. You, you find, Nina, obviously now through your, your work um, with the charity, with Felicon, that I, I imagine it, it probably gives you some, some comfort as well, Nina. 
Absolutely, it yeah. does. It's a real honour to get to know people's baby and for people to share their stories with us. It's, it's such an honour and a privilege. And also, I see my my work now with Felix on it. It's the way I parent Liam and Grace now. It's not how I wanted to be their parent. It's not how I set out. But it's a different way of parenting them. And I do it all in their name and honour. And it's a way of me keeping them alive. There's a so message. It's a real privilege. Yeah, there's a, a lovely message in actually. Um, Nina, a listener says, I, I'm in absolute floods of tears listening to Nina today. I can feel the love and every bit of her. Thank you for sharing your story for you and your husband. Um, in, are absolutely incredible and inspirational. And another text in from Marie, Tony, Debbie, and Jake to say, It's great to hear Mary speaking. My wife and I lost our son Jake back in 2011, and the memory boxes were absolutely magic. So we much appreciate hearing the, uh, the conversation today. If people, Mary, want to, to get in touch with yourself or, or with Nina through Felicon. Yep, Felicon.ie is the website and all the information is on that then for um, and Nina's much better at this than I am now but uh, uh, that the, the phone, the helpline is on that, the support line and the office line and um, we, we respond as soon as we can. There's messenger, there's all the young people stuff now, social media I need to <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll, get, um, you'll be able to young. get it online. Well, listen, it's yeah. a pleasure to talk to you both today and, and, and thank you um, for sharing your your stories, your very personal stories with us today in the programme. That's Nina and Mary there as well. And look, if you want to get in touch with us about that or anything else we've been chatting about in the programme today, you can drop me an email. That's lunchtimelive at newstalk.com. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.